0: Welcome to Harvest Time, my name is Chris Harper and our host on this program is Pastor Gary Walton, the pastor of Harvest Baptist Church. We often spend these 25 minutes together telling you the stories of our church by interviewing our members and often other friends of the ministry. We also want to invite you to our live stream service at 9am this Sunday morning. You can find it on our church website, hbcguam.org, hbcguam.org, or on our Facebook page at Harvest Baptist Church. This week, special guest, evangelist and church planner, Will Galkin. And today we want to start Harvest Time by introducing Pastor Gary Walton. Hi, Pastor.
1: Off a day, Chris. Yeah, uh, Will Galkin is going to be with us this Sunday at our live stream service. We're going to tell you some more about that because um, we have him with us uh, via phone from Salt Lake City, and we'll tell you more about that as well. But welcome, Will. Thanks for calling in and getting a chance to chat with us today.
2: Oh, thank you so much, Pastor. And it really is our joy to uh, participate, so
1: thank you. Well, it's been a few years now that we've had you on the schedule to come back to Harvest. I know that you've been here a couple of times, many times in the past, but to come back for our summit meetings which were to begin this Sunday and, and go through the next week. Summit meetings connected with some spirit days with our school. COVID, of course, has impacted lots of things, including travel schedules. And so if, you know, a month or so back, you know, we pushed it as long as we could, but just determined that uh, the travel wouldn't be able to uh, happen this year. So we're sorry we don't have you here in person well.
2: Well, I was really looking forward to it. I was just thinking when the first time was that I came out to minister in Harvest, and I think it was actually in 2002 or three, and that's the first one I remember. But it's over the years. I think it's close to six, six or seven times. Wow, great! But initially, it was the Spirit Weeks. It was uh, I would come over, and I was just a, a young preacher at the time, and I would preach for like a week of chapels with the uh, high school students at
1: the Academy. Yeah. Well, our summit meetings are some uh, week of meetings that we've had, you know, for many years now, and God's used them so dramatically in the life of our church. We have a number of people, church members, that um, their spiritual life really began as a result of somebody inviting them to come for summit meetings and then responding to the gospel, so it's it's God has really used that week in our church, and we look forward to it every year. So we were excited to be able to have you come back. I think you've been here for summit meetings before, is that right, Will?
2: That's correct. In fact, the last few times have been the summit meetings, probably about two of those.
1: So when we came to the point reluctantly, where we felt like <laughs> you know we wouldn't be able to to do this live. We started talking about, well, at least maybe we could have you come virtually if you'd be willing to preach for us on that Sunday morning. Even at that time, we thought that our service would be live. You just wouldn't be. Well, you'd be alive, but uh, wouldn't, <laughs> wouldn't be in person. <laughs> but as it's working out, uh, actually, our, our full service will be virtual. But so in some ways, this will be, you know, kind of convenient. You'll be able to preach right from where you're at in Salt Lake City. And we're looking forward to what God's laid on your heart for this Sunday.
2: Uh, Well, thank you so much, and it really is my privilege to do this, and I I hope that this Sunday is an encouragement, and I hope that more folks tune in. You know, sometimes having a different voice, people go, well, maybe I should come on back, and and maybe that's what the Lord would do even this weekend.
1: Yeah, in fact, we've been asking our church family, I'd, I'd do it again today, that if you're normally somebody that tunes in, I'd encourage you to invite others this Sunday to hear servant of God that's going to be preaching and speaking. And so you can give them an invite to join us at 9 o'clock. You can share your Facebook feed. There's a lot of different things you can do. But we are encouraging a church family to join with us and invite others, praying that God would use this time. In fact, I don't want to spend a lot of time on this, but this is the culmination this Sunday of 40 days of prayer for us as a church. And... uh, Wow. yeah we've been praying about a number of uh things and have had some daily prayer challenges it's really been a sweet time but in this last week um god bl- just laid it on our pastoral team's heart that uh this is such a critical time in the life of our church and the life of our island so this last week has been a, a very intense we're right in the middle of intense week of prayer we're opening up our worship center, and people are coming in throughout the day. It's open from 6 a.m. to 9 mm-hmm. p.m., and we have pastoral team in there all the time. People are praying for each other, you know, very specifically through our watch care group. So it's been a sweet time, and we really believe that um, part of our prayers is that God would use your ministry with us this Sunday.
2: Amen. I That's a privilege to think that, that I, I get to give the Word you know, on, on that foundation of prayer. I, I do I do think, Pastor, that these times do cause us to remember what are the essentials of Christianity. Mm-hmm. And, you know, really our pursuit of Christ can't—we must pray. You know, for us to be sanctified and grow, the Lord commands us to pray, and it's a means of grace when we pray. And I think in our—kind of the, our mindset is— go, 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 and our information age distract, 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 and our media allure, allure, allure. And uh, man, to hear that Harvest has just been pray, pray, pray. I mean, that That is super encouraging.
1: Let's uh, back up for a minute, and you're familiar to many people um, here at Harvest, but I'm sure there's a lot of our listening audience that your introduction will be new to them. So let's back up and tell a little bit of your story. Chris and I were talking with you before. I mean, yeah. evangelists, Church planner, <laughs> husband of one, right. father of uh, five. Is that what you five. said? Okay. Well, tell yeah. us tell us a little bit about your background and yeah. where you're living right now. What God's
2: doing? Yeah, I'm. I'm actually going to start with that. I grew up in Idaho, and that, that'll make sense when we go the full circle. I went to a small church. God used the pastor. I got saved as a young boy. My parents are first generation believers, and uh, you know, Pastor Walton, I met your dad because he was the pastor near the Bible college that I attended. Mm -hmm. And it was there God just began to change my life. And upon leaving Bible college, I started traveling with uh, somebody who's been to Guam a number of times. His name is Steve Pettit, and he was an evangelist at that time. That's where I met my wife. We then, after traveling with the Pettits for, oh, six years, but spread out over eight, we started our own evangelistic team where we had about 30 folks that ministered with us as we went church to church. Now, those 30 folks weren't with us at one time, but we had different teams. Sure. And we traveled all over the United States and even overseas. And we did that for a number of years, bringing really the total of itinerant evangelism ministry to about 23 years.
1: Let me stop you just for a second and yeah. back up. For some that are listening, they may not be real familiar with that. So you mean... You know, you traveled, you know, around the states, around the world, doing what? Just preaching, or...?
2: Yeah, right. But it'd be always connected, usually, to, always, to a local church. So a local church would invite us, and then we'd start on Sunday, and usually have a couple services, and then, then each evening of that week that we were with the church, we would preach gospel-centered messages. Hmm. That the gospel is really the good news of Jesus Christ, you know, that, that Jesus Christ... God the Son came to this earth, he died, was buried, rose again. Why? Well, because we're sinners, and we deserve death, but he died for us. But in raising from the dead, he conquered sin so that we could have a relationship with God. And I'd share the gospel, but then also the gospel sets the Christian free Hmm. to grow in grace. So a person is born dead in their sin, but then through Christ they're made alive, and yet the Christian continues to just rest and trust in Christ to walk the Christian life. And so I've just addressed guests and church members alike, Christians, non-Christians, calling them to have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And so it was a privilege just to do that. Every night we do music, we do concerts. We had this, we had, my wife is super musical, and so we'd do an, an Irish concert one night, and mm-hmm. I'd just give the, the good news of Jesus in a sermon format. And so, yeah, we so we, we would do that. For how many right. years? We would 23 total. Wow. About seven years ago, we just were like, we're burdened our kids really understood a local church. We were serving local churches, mm-hmm. but we wanted our kids to love church. And so we began to pray about how we could get partnered uh, with the church. And the Lord just put a team of guys, as well as Salt Lake City, on their heart. And we planted a church with them. Mm. And so that began a relationship with a local church, Gospel Grace Church of Salt Lake City. And it's so wonderful to see the church grow and make disciples. But two years ago, we began to realize we can't do both of these things. We can't travel and be a part of the Church. We were, we were tanking. We were losing some of our passions and energy. Mm-hmm. And as we prayed about it, we just knew God wanted us to focus on gospel grace, but not just gospel grace on the planning of other churches. And so, by God's grace, we've been able to participate in a church revitalization that Harvest actually is well acquainted with, because right. Kevin and Inafuku assisted Gospel Hope Church— for about three years before he relocated to Hawaii, and then we're in the process of planting another church in a strategic location by the Utah State University, and that's going to be taking place next year. So my role now in Salt Lake is to equip, to assess, and team-build church planters, and because it's such an unchristianized area, we put in a lot of effort as we over the years, I just growing up here, I've seen numbers of guys drop in solo and they just they aren't able to make the long haul. And so we're trying to get teams equipped to a place where they can not just be a, a one and done, but you know, that they could be planted and soon replicating. And so that's really our prayer
1: for this area. I mean it's really interesting the transition that God's brought you through. And in fact, you know, for Harvest, the last time you were here, you were still pretty full-time evangelism, traveling, yes. although, although you were centered there, helping out with the Church through these seven years. What's the link for you? I mean, I, I know that there is. What's the link between, you know, this world of traveling evangelists and and then church yes. planting yeah. there in Salt Lake?
2: You know, it's actually a theological link. It's the fact that I really do think God called me to be a proclaimer of the Gospel, an evangelist. Mm-hmm. So we did that by traveling and assisting local churches, but now we're doing it even more targeted and specific in planting churches. And the link is a theological one, but then also I grew up relationally, you know, just three hours north of here in Idaho mm. in a culture that is very similar to the culture that predominates, Utah. And, I mean, there's just so few evangelical Christians. Salt Lake City is right about 3%. Out of, And so that means, like, on any given Sunday of the 1.2 million people that call Salt Lake home, there's less than 30,000 Christians meeting. I mean, there's more people that go to some mega churches in the South right. than all of Salt Lake City.
1: Yeah, wow. And how many and people are in Salt Lake City?
2: 1.2 something million, okay. almost 1.3. Wow.
1: Yeah, you and I haven't talked about this before, but you know, just in my thinking about this, the evangelism gift and and really, the model of Paul is very similar to I think what your life has been. There, there was some traveling, kind of itinerant, and then there were some periods where Paul and other evangelists stopped in and spent years, you know, really strengthening uh, a church mm-hmm. or a group of churches in a region. It it seems so, so very biblical, I guess, what we see you doing and the transition it, it, God's made in your family.
2: It's really been sweet, and man, if, if by God's grace this could be like. An area of macedonia and philippi the chief city and i mean it, it would be it would be just thrilling to me to see lydia of i retire and the demoniac girl and the jailer and the family you know I, I i just would be thrilled if god would do something of building a family of churches that would replicate other churches
1: i'm really interested in, in this too and i did a little bit of traveling uh before coming here um, to harvest. But you've had many years of being in churches, you know, Bible teaching, Bible preaching churches. What were some of the burdens that God laid on your heart as you talked with pastors and as you spent, you know, prolonged days with churches? Are there some current concerns that you saw? What's the hope that you have for the church? Just talk to us about that a little bit.
2: Yeah. Oh, well, that's such a great question. We could do multi-podcasts, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: And, um, you know, let me just talk about the North American church, because that'd probably be where I spent my majority of ministry seasons. And culture is always changing. Culture is, you know, if you let me say, just a voice box of the collective peoples, and as they express their values, and Mm -hmm. what they love, and what they hunger for. And so culture changes, and it's informed by worldviews under the surface. And manners of thinking. And so, you know, sociologists have, you know, talked about things like modernity and how that and rationalism and now postmodernity and, and I'm saying all these big words to say that, you know, that the sea of the world and culture changes throughout history. Mm-hmm. And the church has the responsibility of navigating those changes. And it's very difficult for the Church, and the temptation for the Church is on one side is to accommodate and take its orders from the culture, and the other, the other extreme would be to become isolated and no longer engage the culture. Mm. And I think the scariest time for the Church is when the culture does a massive switch. They can't quite figure out why they're not communicating to the new culture. And as they look around, they see some churches that are accommodating the world too much and becoming like the world. And then others look at the switch and look at other ministries, and they begin to avoid the world. And so we went through, in the 90s, one of the most seismic changes in culture. And it was accompanied by geopolitics. It was accompanied by technological changes. It was accompanied by the fruit the fruit of the harvest of the 60s fully came in. And so postmodernism, with its inclusiveness, with the, the driving secularism, the humanism that is was commonplace in the educational system, the relativistic nature of society where truth for you and truth for me and you all have our own truth, so accompanied by the ability to disseminate this so quickly through technology and the Internet, and the old, the sociological lines, the geopolitics of the Cold War changed. So, so what used to rally the Church and what used to collect the Church, and, and you know, there was all these collection points of the 60s and 70s and 80s, and we're going to do this, and we're in charge, and we're the moral majority, and we're going to take it. And all of a sudden the Church realized that people outside of the Church were no longer even talking to them. Mm. They weren't consulting them, they weren't asking their opinion. In fact, they even stopped debating the Church if Christianity was true. They began to ask the Church, is Christianity real? And the problem is that some of our churches, sadly, it's taken them a while to realize what a shift has taken place, and that The gospel doesn't change, theology doesn't change, but the manner of how people are listening to us does change, and therefore we must engage people in a way that they can hear the gospel. And I believe that's predominantly through relationship. And that also contributed to why we began to realize that we needed to change our mode of what we were doing in evangelism. So we would pull up, and we would now begin speaking, And 15, 20, 30, and for sure 40 years ago, when a guest preacher came to town, people came to listen. Mm -hmm. But now, people weren't going to listen to me because of my name or because I was an evangelist. The only people that came were the people that had relationships with somebody that brought them. Mm -hmm. And so in the churches that had relationships with unsaved people, we were helpful. But the churches that, for whatever reason, no longer have relationships with those that are around them, struggled in doing the Great Commission. Mm. And so, I think our churches are in a, in a desperate need for intentional retooling, reequipping, like Ephesians 4, you know, pastors, teachers, evangelists, equip the saints, why? To do the work of the ministry, to be able to engage the culture around us once again in winsome, straight-up ways that are not fearful, but are actually spirit-filled and and really with power, and to unleash the power of the gospel, you know, the, the gospel which is the power of God and the salvation. So, mm. I don't know. I, that may have been like a fire hydrant or too much. No, no. But that's what my that's where my heart is on this.
1: Yeah, no, that's really interesting. I wish we had more time to ask you some some more questions about that. Maybe we can do it again. So, the gospel, of course, what you're saying is it is powerful and and it affects each person in each church in the situation that we're that they're at and it affects us throughout these decades so as you're teaching and preaching what changes about your teaching and preaching and what doesn't
2: so i cannot especially in my context here in salt lake i cannot assume that everyone knows the basics of christianity it used to be in the 60s and the 70s, predominantly the gospel presentations were addressing the will, because the Judeo-Christian valued mindset so permeated culture, that when a stranger walked up to my mom and said, this is in the 70s, and said, Carol, if you died today, where would you spend eternity? She said, oh, probably hell. I mean, this is a lady who's never been to church. Mm-hmm. Carol, if I showed you from the Bible how you can have a relationship with God, would you like to know? I sure would. They go to the Gospel in just five, six minutes, and they say, Carol, would you like to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ? And my mom is like, yes, I do. Mm-hmm. Well, today what you start a Gospel presentation, and you go like, so, God. And, and right away the, the skeptic goes, well, who is God? What God? What do you mean by God? God forced? God in me? God in, I mean, like, God? Like, one of the gods? Like, oh, no, uh, I mean, uh, one God, the Creator. Oh, we didn't evolve? Well, um, no, God is the initiator of all, and he stands outside time and space. And uh, anyway, uh, and we're sinners. Oh, what's sin? Well, sin is when we break God's law. Well, God? God who? What do you mean, God? Well, okay, uh, so we've broken God's law, and so he said, Jesus Christ, God. Now, was Jesus a piece of God? Was Jesus, uh, Jesus very God? That's weird. Trinity? I don't get it. What do you mean by that? Well, the Bible. Bible? Who wrote that? Didn't it just a bunch of men write that? And so we, in the 60s, 70s, and 80s, we would pre- preach predominantly messages that were to touch the will, you know, the, the volitional side of mankind, where I believe that we actually have to slow down and we have to answer life's most basic questions. If we don't do that, then we sound like Charlie Brown's teacher. Mm-hmm. Wah, 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 And then we get stumbled up, and we end up saying things like this. Well, you know what I mean. And Jesus Son of God. well, you know what I mean. And you know what we mean when we say, you know what I mean, it means I don't know what I mean, right? <laughs> <laughs> and so I think that what it's doing, and, and this is maybe a good landing spot, I think what where we're at in culture, what COVID is doing for the Church is reminding the Church how much they need to understand the Gospel so that they can live the Gospel. It's like it, It's got to be so much dripped into their life that they're different from culture, that they, they've worked out, Philippians 2 says, work out your own salvation, not work for, but let the gospel have its perfect work in you as you work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. And you take your gospel and you work it to its most logical progression so that men may see your good works, that men, you know, that you can have the light and the word of the gospel coming out of you. So they see this gospel change. So now, when you tell them what is true, earlier I alluded to this, the skeptics aren't asking, is Christianity true? They're asking, is it real? Right. So as we live out the gospel in relationship. Now I can speak the gospel with the foundation of the gospel changing my life.
1: That's our prayer for our church, that we would, as a group, be those kind of proclaimers that would be able to speak that truth. And we're looking forward to this yeah. Sunday and being able to just hear the burden that God's put on your heart. If you had 30 seconds to kind of direct us maybe to some, at least yeah. some of the burdens that uh, you'd like to you feel yeah. like God's pressing you to this Sunday.
2: Well, I just, even just as we did some pre-talking, Pastor, I just found myself, I want to to make Jesus big. And I just want to plead with any of you that are listening to this, you know, that middle section, that was a little bit heady as we're thinking and talking about culture. But there is a simplicity and there is a power about Jesus Christ being lifted up and he can set us free. And I got to believe that on the island, there's some people that are just feeling so locked down. And it could be there's people struggling with sin habits and discouragement and depression. And I just want you to know there is hope. Mm. And I think you would be blessed if you tuned into the live stream on this Sunday as we talk about Jesus and how Jesus can set us free from sin and give us joy to pursue the things that really matter. And so I hope that people will join us, Pastor.
1: Awesome, Will. I'm excited about it. I told you earlier, we've been praying. We're going to keep praying, and we believe God's going to use your ministry and, of course, just use His Word in our lives this Sunday. So thanks for joining us today. We'll look forward to connecting with you this Sunday.
0: Sounds great. God bless. Well, and we want to thank you for listening to today's Harvest Time. You can join us on our live stream service beginning at 9 a.m. this Sunday morning at our website or our facebook page that's hbcguam.org online hbcguam.org or on facebook at harvest baptist church special guest evangelist and church planner will gulkin will also carry that morning service live here on 88.1 fm thanks again for listening to harvest time